Welcome to Justice Losers Podcast, where we talk about pop culture media, namely movies, TVs, and comics. I'm your host, Preston, joined as always by my delightful co-host, Batman. And joined for the second time, our third co-host, but no, you're the second co-host, but this is the third time we've had a guest, and it's his second appearance. Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the answering it's like the answering machine where like they tell you to just say your name and you're like Preston and it's like you have reached Preston and it's just like this weird like out of yeah. out of flow just your name. So it's like all this Bat Matt and our other co-host Andrew. <laughs> yeah, fun so fact, you're... Andrew's not actually here in our studio right now. We just pre-recorded his dialogue and snippets, yeah, we just, and we so just we're going to have to edit it back together. We've got that like that pad that like I guess DJs use now where it's just like a 5x5 a five five of buttons, and it's just things that Andrew says. Hello. Yes! <laughs> That's exactly what I was hoping you would do. Oh. That's because I'm a pre-recording, Preston. Of course I'll say what you want to say. I'm going to press that one again. Of course, I don't. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> and that's our confused button. <laughs> I don't remember what I just said. I don't remember what I just said. Okay. Well, anyway. yes. So we we're joined by Andrew today uh, because he has a full spiel that we're going to get into at yep. some point. Uh, but first, Matt and Andrew. What? Should, oh, wait. What should people do? Oh, good lord. What should uh, people do? <laughs> like, subscribe, and tell a friend, and specifically check out. I don't know. I keep promising that we should be better about doing things, but we're kind of not. Check out our Gmail. We finally actually got a Gmail last week. Yep. We read Um, it on. How do you check out a Gmail? Go to the library. Fucking called out. Civilized. What, you just want emails from people? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because emails are like, so you can can comment on that nobody ever like gives us any feedback. Oh, people give it on SoundCloud. Occasionally, yeah. But that's like, we got to go hit the hit the comment and then we have to rewind the audio to hear what they're re- reacting to yeah. which is a little obnoxious but like we actually got a a cool theory from somebody from mark yeah. uh on our gmail so gmail is a good place to like okay. if you have theories or like long-winded things you want to talk about just punch or you know what mic. if people want to argue with me about things yeah exactly that's exactly yeah. where you want to do that i and because I when say, we yeah. inevitably prove you wrong or just respond to your email and say why you're wrong you didn't do it on social media where you'll get embarrassed. Exactly. You just get shut down silently. Right. There we go. That's yeah. a good, that's an appeal. There we go. Yeah, so send us a, an email, justicelosierspod at gmail.com. And we will fucking destroy you. Yeah, don't unless you, Unless we like your theory, in which case we'll read it on air. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Matt, what you been up to? Um, well, mostly just rewatching Game of Thrones season one so I could take off all the bloody moments. Yep. Um, uh, I watched... Let's see, I watched a couple, a movie and a half in preparation for this, but I'll save that for later. Okay. Um, actually, two and a half movies. We went and saw Glass. Oh we yeah, talk about that. That uh, yeah, we all saw all three of us saw yep, Glass together. We all saw Glass. Yep. It was uh, not good. It was not great. It was. We'll get into that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> We can we can save our reviewy kind of stuff for. I'm assuming yeah. you it, have like a spot it, in your. Yeah, no. that'd be good for that. Okay. Okay. Uh, man, what else have I been up to? I read all of like two more Hellboy short stories. I'm going really slow. I'm kind of getting to the point where I've read almost all of it, and so the mythology is just super saturated, uh. and most of the stories just boil down to big monster shows up, big monster punches Hellboy really hard, and he says, "Ow," and then. Hellboy finds a secret reserve of strength and punches the monster th- harder than he even thought he could. 
Yeah. It's, there's there's so much cool stuff in the world building and like little ideas and stuff. But so many of the stories just boil down to a punch fest in the end that yeah. it's getting a little tiring to read. Yep. Uh, is that it? I think so. All right. Probably. I, uh... Ugh. School. Yeah. Just so much school. Like, the fact that I've read two issues of a comic, still working on Demon Knights, and it's still not fantastic. Have I talked, have I talked about... You talked about Demon Knights. It's just... There's no one character, like, Etrigan exists that mm-hmm. I can kind of attach to. Madame Xanadu exists that I can kind of attach to. But it's just... The... The, it's not fantastic because it doesn't really give you much. Mm. It's just kind of a lot of like really weird, like ah, oh, I want to kill people, yeah. It's just like, and there, there's so little actual kind of character development with anything, right? Um, I just, and also I I think it's it's hard to read it because I finally have all th- like the first three volumes of animal man, mm-hmm. which is part of the rot world crossover, which is apparently really good. Okay. It's got animal man and swamp, swamp thing. thing. Yeah. And I really want to read that. Mm-hmm. And it's sitting there on my desk staring at me mm-hmm. and they're all really nice, clean paperbacks. So I'm just like, Oh, I want to read them, but I got these to read and I'm still in volume. God, I keep punching <laughs> my mic. <laughs> I just, I got to get through this, but, uh, I have not actually watched any of the, um, Young Justice the past two weeks because I have had no time. Mm-hmm. Um, we watched uh, 12 Angry Men. Andrew yep. and I watched 12 yep, Angry Men. Was... Yeah. Which is a phenomenal movie. Indeed. Uh, watched Glass. And... Oh, and kind of all part of this. This all happened recently. We watched Split. Mm-hmm. We haven't recorded since we watched Split, have we? Haven't we? I Unless we just remember forgot talking to mention about it. it. Did we? Oh. Yeah. Man, I don't know. My time's all fucked up. I think I talked about it. Like, my first week dragged by because work and school were both really bullshit for the week. Right. And this week went really quickly because, like, work was fine and, like, my semester amped up. Mm. And, like, it just fucking zoomed by. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm, but, yeah. Yeah, I, I seem to remember talking about Split. Okay. If I didn't, it was pretty good. Uh, Yeah, no, we talked about it because I, I reiterated my point that Shyamalan, the director oh, shall yeah. the writer's worst enemy yes and Which in fact happens. is such a quotable way to think about I it love, like I, honestly yeah. since you said that to me i just i've been repeating it to people when i talk about glass because <laughs> it's so it's the perfect way to put it i know i'm so <laughs> like, proud of that it's that's the greatest thing i've ever said never like say. if you if you write a book it should just be that quote <laughs> yeah the title yeah <laughs> and then just every page is just that quote yeah yep. well it's <laughs> gonna be at the top of every page because it's the title <laughs> Yeah, and then he just re- writes it again in the middle of the page. So and it's just like Cinder like... Justified, like right in the middle. Yep. <laughs> just every page. <laughs> Matt's greatest achievement. Shyamalan, Shyamalan the writer's greatest, yeah. or director's like, greatest achievement. You're in the enemy, chapter Shyamalan that's talking about, like, you know, uh, Hannah, is that her name? Mm-hmm. Uh, like, just, you know, that whole thing, but also just in the corner of every page is also <laughs> Shyamalan is his own way for yeah. All right, Andrew, what have you been up to? Oh, man, I've been up to quite a bit, actually. I've been in editing hell for my first short film. Mm-hmm. I've been writing my second short film that I'll be shooting here in a couple months. Um, that's going to be real fun. It's going to be like 20 minutes or so. We're going to try and take nice. it to festivals. Cool. It's going to be a lot of good shit. Any, um, like, little exclusive uh, plot synopses you can um, give us? I can tell you that I'm currently researching how the fuck to build a spacesuit. 
for oh. relatively cheap. Oh, okay. Get a so fish I'm bowl. intrigued already. And a bathrobe. There you go. Yeah. That's how it works. So well, that, depends that's, on what space that you're wanting. One that's, that's effective. Or... <laughs> that's, that's the tidbit I'm willing to kind of let out there is that there's a space suit involved. Okay, cool. Um, well, that's enough to get me intrigued already. So Yeah. Um, and then just I've been Zimmer watching. I've been watching so much shit. A lot of like, shit. Like, I, I can't even go through the list because I don't even remember everything I watched. Of note recently, um, Children of Men. Finally got around to watching that. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. I also watched that. Oh, I talked you about talked that, about that um, last time. Yeah. Mr. Nobody. Finally got around to watching that. Mm-hmm. Fucking great movie. Okay. Um, what else? The Graduate I finally watched. Oh, Another one that I was... That. That's what, yeah. I was a little ashamed that I hadn't seen it yet. Yep. It's pretty fucking good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of creepy, though. Like... Not even, not happening. even that part. I haven't part. seen that movie. <laughs> not even and Andrew that just started, part. or not Andrew. Matt just started pulling his it's pant about, leg up. It's I about seen it either, but I know that scene. The spoilers for The Graduate. You know, it's I think it came out in like 1960 or something. Yeah, it's an old movie. Oh, yeah, fucking. But spoiler. um, it's about this dude who like he graduates from college, and his mom's friend decides that they're gonna hook up, and she kind of like. So it's a total gilf movie. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, I mean, I think the actress is in reality only, like, 30 years older than him. Okay. So she's, like, 50, mm-hmm. but... And I mean, she looks good, but mm-hmm. it's kind of a weird movie. All right. But okay. really well shot. Uh, interesting character problems. Yeah. Um, And then I've also... I've started, and I don't think I'm going to finish a lot of animes recently. Um, <laughs> Violet Evergarden is one that I started that I really want to... I need to start it over because when I started watching it, I was really high and I don't remember what was happening. Um, okay. But it like to describe it, it's like a alternate history version of post-World War II Europe mm-hmm. with androids. And it feels almost like her mixed with Ex Machina and like not – I wouldn't say Inglorious Bastards because it's not like a very like bloody show. Mm-hmm. But almost like a his, almost Mad Men. Okay, but you're pushing a lot of my good buttons there. It's it's a really interesting show, it's and it's my job. Uh, and it's what? <laughs> <laughs> and it's just beautifully animated. Okay, um, and it's on Netflix. What was it called again? I, Violet Evergarden. Violet Evergarden. Okay, I'm gonna go add that uh, to my list. Yeah, but <laughs> your list continues to grow. Yep, as Does all lists do. No, I, I I have told the story before, and I will tell the story again that. There was a period over the summer, I guess it would have been, yeah, it would have been last summer, where I was averaging like two movies a day for a week. And at that point, my watch list was not growing. <laughs> it was just staying the same. How do you how do you add things to your list so much? Like, do you actively seek out things that you're interested in, or do you just like come across like, what what's the, what is the most common means of you hearing about a movie to add to your list well big problem is i'll watch a movie and i'll be like oh i really liked this director or this actor in it and then i'll go to their imdb page and add anything that looks decent from their filmography Mm. yeah i have to delete imdb from my phone every couple weeks just because i'm like i'm too many movies that i don't have time to watch yeah yeah Yeah. it's i've slowed the rate of growth enough right now that it might be a little while before it hits 3,000, mm-hmm. but it's, like, pushing 2950. I think there's merit to 
So I, I have always like my, all my friends know I do this all the time. I am a huge advocate for taking time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And that means like for me reading comics, mm-hmm. like when people go, like when I say I haven't had enough time to do anything and the people are like, Oh, but you like read comics today. It's like, yeah, the time I create for myself includes time for myself. Yeah. Like I'm not going to go out with you guys tonight because I have scheduled time for myself mm-hmm. like that. I am, I am healthy in that way. Mm-hmm. You should not overwork yourself. So like what the reason I'm saying this is like, if you've got that long of a list, like every day you should schedule a time like eight o'clock to 10 o'clock to watch a movie. Two hours is a large chunk. It is a large chunk of like, time. Like, time. scheduling times for comics is one thing. Cause yeah, because like, it's 15 minutes an issue. Yeah, yeah. you get through it pretty <laughs> Well, it depends quickly. on what you're reading. If you're reading, like, <laughs> uh, 1970s to to the weird time where DC decided to, like, double their issue size, <laughs> like, through the 1980s, mm-hmm. it takes about, like, 20 to 30 minutes to yeah. issue for an issue. Yeah, but no, but that's these days, it's 15 minutes. Actually, tying into another thing I've been doing, I've been reading um, George Lucas' A Life. A little okay. biography about George Lucas. Right. It's interesting. I, Does it ever talk about his glorious beard? I don't know. I'm on like it's not really glorious. It's kind of like I'm probably like firm. There. I'm like firm. Ten percent into it okay. right now. It's a big fucking book. Like ten percent like through it or ten percent into through it. it. Like only ten percent of you through is just it. like I'm into this. Through it. I'm okay. in. I'm in his film school days right now. Okay. Okay. Um, but and it's interesting because the the author of it does not like feed his ego a lot. It mm. feels like. It's hmm. kind of like, you know, George Lucas is kind of a hack. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, okay. no, but it but like George Lucas is a director that I want to study because like what one of not my, to do. One of my professors um like very early on in my program told us film is a balance between art and business. It okay. cannot exist without that. Um I buy that. And because, you know, yeah, it's very expensive to do. Mm-hmm. So you have to make money at the end of the mm-hmm. day. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to dig yourself into a hole and you're just going to put your crew's livelihoods at risk because you're not properly taking care of them. But at the same time, you have to have that artistic side and you have to be constantly pushing for it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, no, fil- all film is a balance between business and art. And George Lucas is like probably the most successful business or filmmaker of all time because he treated it so much like a business. Okay. We need to I, I I have this in my head and we need to actually start sticking to it. We're like running out of like episode ideas, but we have also this like idea of doing series where we do like several episodes in a row mm-hmm. following a trend or mm-hmm. a, a theme. <clears throat> and one of those I think would be the business side of movies. So we mm-hmm. could have stuff like like you like bringing that stuff in. We have Hannah's uh the accounting of the movie industry. Uh-huh. Like do like three or four episodes of that. Yeah. Cuz we're getting to the point where like it's that weird lull during Oscar season, like right. through kind of like May or up to May. There's so few movies coming out yeah. that we don't have movies to base an episode around. So we could do these series, like do a Lord of the Rings series, do a Harry Potter series, like do mm-hmm. a few episodes yeah. about a certain topic. I mean, if there's so, a way we can get a fourth chair in here, I have plenty of people that I... We have ways to get three more chairs in here. Three more chairs. Oh, except no mics. That's what I yeah. meant. <laughs> like another another setup. Oh, yeah. we all we do have yeah, we've got another one of those mics and we've got another we've got mics. Okay. We we can make it work. Okay. I might have some people that I'd recommend bringing on though. Okay. Okay. I think we should go like four at a maximum cuz then it just yes. gets yeah, four unwieldy. W- <laughs> I'm just saying me and my partner 
Oh, okay. You two, you guys ask questions. That'd be good. Yeah, yeah. I'd like that. Yeah, we should. Be uh, good we actually we need to have a meeting, a podcast meeting, and actually like plan out our next couple yeah. months. Of, we we, need to we have nothing stuff. planned for like next week. We yeah. didn't have this planned this week. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're like last episode. We're like we don't have a plan, and then I think it was Tuesday. I said, "Fuck it, let's do your Bloomhouse episode." <laughs> Bloomhouse. Blumhouse. What is that's it? Blumhouse. Blumhouse. That's it. I like Bloomhouse better. Bloomhouse is Blumhouse. a kind of a better name, but Well, uh, what is a before Blum we jump anyways? into that, I guess we should kind of move to news. We should talk about news. Uh what news has happened? Well, the Oscar nominations happened. Wait, what? Oh shit. We need to do our Oscar Oscar estimations and yeah, points. You, you except you never know anything about it, so yeah, I don't. Which is kind of fun. It's I was part of the fun like, of it. I like this Everyone's one or something. There's still several I haven't seen that I should. We should. So we could, we could talk about like making yeah. a task of this to watch these like together. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what uh, what of note like uh, any anything like uh, Shape of Water where it's been nominated for like every category? Uh. Don't think any, anything got nominated for every category, but Black Panther got nominated for seven Oscars, including Best Picture. Fuck yes. Which I approve of, except not the fact that it got nominated for seven Oscars and A Quiet Place, Hereditary, Into the Spider-Verse, and Admission Impossible were nominated for a grand total of two combined. Whoa. Wait, what? So A Quiet Place was nominated for sound editing and nothing else. Hereditary was not nominated. Mission Impossible was not nominated for anything. Oh my god. And Spider-Verse was only for animated. What the hell? Yeah. Also, Aquaman was not nominated for visual effects. All right, let's which go through each of those. With. I just, like, really quickly, like, really quickly, I want to go through kind of each of those movies okay. and say where we should. I think, like, uh, Spider-Verse should have sound design. Yeah. There's some really cool sound sound qualities to that. As someone who's currently in sound design class, A Quiet Place would absolutely make me blow my brains out. Because, yeah, no, because you don't realize watching movies how much of that sound is created months after they actually shot it. Well, yeah, fully. Like, Mm -hmm. well, no, like, not just fully. Like, ADR is a really fucking lengthy process. Mm -hmm. Um, And even just the act of editing it Mm -hmm. is a huge process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, it, the idea of doing a movie like Quiet Place where you don't even get to use set dialogue for most of it, which really kind of makes it easier yeah because it's like okay a big portion of the time the audience is focused on this yeah the rest of it doesn't have to be built super well you have to create this entire immersive experience completely from scratch that and make it look natural deserves to... that oscar oscar then if yeah, you put yeah that much effort into sound design i absolutely that's a good nomination okay yeah I do agree with that nomination. I just think it also should have been nominated for several oh, other things. Oh, absolutely. Like, how did Emily Blunt not get nominated for Best Actress? How did none of them get nominated for anything? I feel like I all know. of them were great, except for the little kid that didn't make it to the end of the movie. <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> you don't know when he dies or leaves. Or which kid, or yeah. Go, goes, off the, goes off in the spaceship, spaceship yeah. with all the aliens. Imagine if that was the end of it. It was like Close Encounters of the Third Kind where like the aliens are like, like you're the one! And they take him and then just go (laughs) off and leave the planet. And Indiana Jones and the Crystal Skull. Yeah. (laughs) Where it's just like, was that a spaceship? What the fuck? (laughs) Uh, Obviously, like, I think um, uh, Mission Impossible should get a lot of I think other ones should be mentioned in a lot of the technical categories. Yeah. It's the sort of movie like 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 the Halo scene. Yeah, that should have gotten some. Yeah, I, I would have pushed for that for cinematography. Actually, yeah, 
it's kind of a it, i mean it's a very out of left field choice for one of the more like prestige awards i guess yeah you know? but that was a beautiful movie it was it did a lot of really I cool still stuff. have not seen it dude you've got to watch it <laughs> like if anything for the halo jump scene yeah no. like it's just glorious to watch yeah and i really want to go i we watched it in imax didn't we yeah and it was so worth the extra like yes. five bucks to watch that yeah. scene in imax yeah so good uh what are the other movies that didn't get nominated um or few yeah, uh, Hereditary didn't get nominated for anything, I seen which one. really bothers me, even though I didn't like it very much, because it was an insanely well-crafted and well-made movie. This is the sort of thing that should have been, like, stuff like production design and cinematography, but also, like, director, best picture. Uh, Tony Collette should have been in the running for best actress. Just mm-hmm. a whole bunch of things that it got no attention for. The sound design is really good. It's just and it, it's nothing. Yeah. And that, that kind of bothers me. So. Well. Yep. But the favorite got nominated for a bunch of stuff. So I'm happy about that. Good. I haven't seen it. Nope. <laughs> I need to see it. Yep. All right. Uh, what else has happened? We got, uh, ooh, we got new teaser for Shazam. Mm-hmm. Which was all new footage except for, like, a couple clips. A couple shots, yeah. But all new footage and gave away again very little yeah i i have a new theory about savannah uh i'm pretty sure that early on he is going to somehow get the powers of shazam because we see him flying and also manages to stop a punch from shazam Mm -hmm. captain marvel so (laughs) the only way he can do that is if he has the powers of shazam because like the only person who can stop a punch from him is black adam like, Superman actually gets his ass handed to him by Captain Marvel on multiple occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, he obviously gets the powers of Shazam somehow. thing about Savannah is he is always, like, he... <laughs> oh, no, that's Doctor 13. Doctor 13 has a slight uh, immunity to magic because he doesn't believe in it. Huh. Which is kind of an interesting little, little yeah. thing. So, like, when someone does a magic, like, tries to damage him with magic, he doesn't get hurt as badly... Because mm-hmm. he's just like, this is just science. And, like, the magic powers are just like, wait, what? No, believe in me. Um, it's like Santa. If you don't believe in me, his his sleigh can't fly. Okay. God, it's a weird movie. Um, it's Elf. Right. Uh, but Savannah is always, like, looking for proof of this stuff. He goes, like, crazy. the um, Like, trying to find this magic, the pillar of, or the, the rock of eternity. Like, mm-hmm. all these things. He's always trying to find that. Um, so I think maybe he succeeds in finding it and like maybe Shazam doesn't even come across him until mid act two. I don't know. Like, cause usually it's like towards the beginning of act one, end of act two, where you, that's how that works. The beginning of act two in of act one, where you like the protagonist and antagonist come in contact or like learn about each other. Mm-hmm. And then end of act two is you get defeated. Um, but I think it's just like a, through act one and act two savannah's like trying to find the magic uh gets drawn to the fact that a new champion was found and mm-hmm. then like sees it uh sees something gets some of the powers and then like goes to confront the champion okay that's my uh-huh. yeah it's I, not really like a theory theory it's just like this is probably where the movie's gonna I go i bet you they spend most of act one with billy and then they probably introduce. I really he probably think... doesn't come in contact with the villain till the midpoint of Act Two. That's exactly what I said. 
Is that exactly? That's what exactly what I, I said. They're probably not going to meet each other until like mid Act Two. No, you said beginning of Act Two. I said mid Act Two. He said usually it's beginning of Act Two. Usually it's two. beginning of Act this Two, case, but this gonna time it's going to spin. I yeah, think yeah. it's going to be like what everything we see with Billy not having been like found Shazam yet is going to be like five ten minutes of the movie because all of that stuff can go pretty quickly. Like the yeah. beginning is going to be like, hey, this is your new foster family. Five ten minutes of him talking to Freddie. School goes to beat the kid up runs gets on the train gets sent to rock eternity yeah. fifth mark 15 20 minutes and that's he's shazam because like then there's a lot of building of like what these powers are and like what the lore of the seven deadly sins and uh captain marvel are mm-hmm. so that's gonna spin that's they're gonna need a lot of act one to do that sufficiently i'd really then, rather they spent that time on character development and yeah building up well i think shazam that's Billy. i think that's that's kind of the thing is i think they can you can pretty Billy starts as a pretty one-dimensional character. He's just like this kid that doesn't want to be held down by parents. He's he's had a shit life, and he's just like... Right. So, like, they can pretty much establish that pretty quickly, but the complexity of the character development comes from when he gets embowed, or, like, when he becomes embowed, <laughs> becomes the champion of good. Right. So, you need to have a satisfying mini-arc of him going from just this one-dimensional kid to someone that's sort of worthy of the yeah and that's what i'm saying like champion. he gets he gets he becomes the champion really early and then act one is him learning his character with shazam through, and I, like that, that's I mean, fair i'm just saying there wouldn't be like a satisfying build-up for me if they did it. oh no, for like 15, 10, 15 20 minutes yeah that's so you, fair in in general screenplay theory um you want every five minutes of screen to be its own mini arc mm-hmm. and then each act to be its own arc yeah mm-hmm. so yeah no like who Billy is, first five minutes, arc one. Yeah. Um, his interaction with other what's people. His, with other like people. Pre-Shazam powers. It's the next five minute arc. Yeah. And that's then, what I'm, and that's what then I'm saying. Then him getting the powers. Yeah. That's and what I'm saying. It's like you get they'll probably good understanding. Act one will probably be more like 25 minutes mm-hmm. than 15. Because 15 is really fucking short for a whole act for a feature film. Yeah, and I, and I was so saying like Shazam. They'll probably throw in like that convenience store scene that we've seen in the trailers mm-hmm. where like he's kind of just completely clueless yeah just also fucking around to, i think it's gonna be that uh it's like early act two where he figures out like it's like most of act one he is captain marvel but like because he doesn't maybe he doesn't know that he can change back yet Cause like oh. if he, cause think about it. If he like he was like oh Shazam, and then like he was like oh my god, I'm an adult now. He doesn't. If know Shazam, to say Shazam told him that he could change back to a kid, he wouldn't have to draw the picture or like write the word saying "Don't scream" and going "It's me, Billy." He would just mm-hmm. change back and then go, "Look, that's, watch this." That's an interesting problem for Act One. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just gonna be mm-hmm. like, because another thing is that like when he accidentally says the name Shazam, if he says the name Shazam, he gets sapped. Guaran- so there's probably going to be like, yeah, I found this wizard. I think his name was uh, Shazam. Oh, God, I'm a kid again. Yeah. What? <laughs> I was just going to say, guarantee you there's a scene where Freddy asks him, so what happened? He's like, well, I met this wizard, and he told me to say his name, so I said Shazam, and and all of a sudden yeah. he's kidding again. Okay, yeah. wouldn't it be way more interesting, though, if like the villain baits him into saying the name? Well, so that's, so, like, that's actually a common thing. He thinks thing. he's stuck mm-hmm. as Shazam for a while, and then the villain's like, what was the name of the wizard that gave you powers? That's he doesn't good, know how it works. That's and then it's like, point. oh, Shazam. He loses powers. Like, oh, fuck. Yeah. That'd make for an interesting act, too. That's okay. very interesting. Well, so, like, one thing I really like is they, uh, in, the, in, the, in this teaser, they give quite a bit of information, none about the plot, though. But 
the one thing that I made note of is that he gets a grip of his powers really quickly. He understands his power because he jumps off a building, says Shazam, and goes off. Like, there, he's able to so quickly change into the, the being the superhero and get a grip on what he's doing that I think that, like, by the time he meets Savannah and, go, like, the punch blocks the punch and he's like, fuck, I need to learn my powers. Yeah. And then there's, like, a quick montage of him being like, all right, what can I do? Or he might be, like, just initially he thinks he understands his powers. So he gets, like, some of the simpler things. It's really like cocky about transformation, it. Transformation, flying, all that. Like, the basics of it. Yeah. But then he comes into a situation where he doesn't know how to properly utilize it. Yeah. Them. And that's where his... That's his challenge that he has to overcome throughout the rest of the movie. Yeah. That would make for a good superhero. I can't movie. wait for this movie. It's got a lot of potential. I am so excited. Mm. I think... It's got a lot of potential, but I think, like, even watching this movie or, like, watching these trailers, I think even seeing everything they put in the trailers is still going to be great. It's not going to be, like, the jokes they put in the trailers won't land because we've seen them. Mm -hmm. I still think all of the jokes are going to land. David F. Sandberg's a funny fucking dude. You follow him on Instagram. He's a funny guy. (laughs) Zachary Levi's just a good actor. He's amazing, yeah. Yeah. So, I'm really excited. We're at 30 minutes. We should probably wrap up news and get into the... Uh, Okay, One one more thing real quick from me. Uh, speaking of DC, uh, James Wan has said that he's coming back for Aquaman, Aquaman 2, 2, which looks like it's apparently definitely happening. Cool. Which made a billion dollars, so yeah. they're going to do nice. another. I think having the the good faith that Aquaman was actually pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, I think we're going to get an even better one next time. Like, I don't think it's going to be a uh, sequel, like, not going to be like an yeah. Iron Man 2 situation. I, I, I would imagine they trust James Wan now to do his own stuff a lot yeah. more. So maybe he goes a little more horror and actually brings out the trench in yeah. more of a satisfying way or something. See, I oh man, the problem with trench in this movie is they show it's trench is a terrifying race, mm-hmm. um, and the fact that they like showed what they did in this first movie kind of took the the fear and the terror about uh, yeah. the trench away. Um, but we all all know that Black Manta's still out there. Yep. He's probably going to be the main villain of two, uh, which is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orm, uh, we could probably get, uh, probably maybe some Justice League. Because, well, they said they weren't going to do crossovers, but maybe by, by then they'll be like, hey, Superman will step in. And then, like, that, that'd be actually pretty interesting. Take this, like, Aquaman, who's pretty awesome... But everyone's like, oh, Aquaman's not as good as Superman. You put Superman in an Aquaman movie, Superman is suddenly having to deal with shit underwater where Aquaman thrives. Yeah. And it just makes Superman look like a child. Hmm. And that would be great. Just bring in Henry Cavill and be like, look, you this is you are not in you are literally out of your depth. <laughs> <laughs> that'd be that'd be an interesting thing. It's okay. not a crossover crossover, but it's like uh Superman gets all kind of like cocky, it's like, hey, you need my help, and Aquaman's like, I mean I guess, sure. Let's go down to the fucking depths of the Pacific Ocean, and he's in, uh, and Superman can handle that because he doesn't need to breathe. Right. He just goes down, but he's just like, I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> I can't see. Yep. So yeah, that'd be interesting. Yeah. All right. I have something. one piece of news. Um, it was announced today that Christopher Nolan's next project will come out July seventeenth, two thousand twenty. And a long time. It's mm-hmm. it's a long time, but the way that they phrased the announcement makes it sound like Warner Brothers is just letting him do whatever the fuck he wants. Good. So Good. 
so yeah, prepare for July seventeenth, two thousand twenty, for Father Time to come out. <laughs> Father Time? Well, because Christopher Nolan, all of his movies are based around time in some way uh, or another. Yep. So Matt and I were joking yesterday. It's just going to be about Father Time, just someone <laughs> yep. literally raising a boy who represents time. Mm-hmm. I think it'll be a good movie. Yep. <laughs> 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 On a more serious note, he's been threatening to do a hired Hughes biopic for a while. He might do that. Who? I, I'm genuinely asking. What, say I'm the not, name again. Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes. I said hired Hughes. I'm like, fucking who? Anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah. I think that's right. about it for news. That's so what I got. Today, uh, in light of uh, glass happening and just nonstop harassment from Andrew about the Bloom House. Okay. Anyway, I wouldn't so, say there was harassment. Uh, so Andrew Andrew's had this uh, kind of spiel that he's always had about uh, Blumhouse and kind of how it operates, what made them successful. Yeah, it, it kind of talks about what a production company's role should be in the film process. Yeah, and what Blumhouse does right, mm-hmm. and a lot of things that they do wrong. So we are going to uh, let Andrew loose. Mm-hmm. Obviously, not let you loose. You're gonna. Start your... No, I'm imprisoned here. <laughs> I have to stay until I finish this thing. Yes. Back. Yes. Uh, but Andrew and I, or uh, Matt and I have not heard this uh, spiel, so we are hearing it for the first time, yeah. which is, well, I mean, I've heard bits of it, a very yeah. disjointed <laughs> version of it at the very beginning, but uh, yeah. Right. Yeah. And Andrew. Take it away. Feel free to interject at any time. Oh, of course. That's how this podcast uh, always works. It's fucking always just yeah, dude, straight party. heroin every just, single episode. Just, can I get a hit of that? Just a little bump? <laughs> Ah, nice. Last hit. Oh god, my, uh, my pop filter. Oh god. Okay, so right. Andrew, take it away. Blumhouse Productions. It, what is it? For those of you who don't know, um, they make Back a little bit. You're like you're like got like right up on the mic. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Um, so I mean they they make uh, they made the Paranormal Activity movies. Yep. They make the Purge movies. Um, pretty much like a lot of the cheap horror movies that we've gotten over the last like decade or so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um they also you know they've made a couple of great movies like whiplash was theirs mm-hmm. get out was theirs mm-hmm. hush was theirs mm-hmm. all great movies um glass what a good movie what a what a splendid film what a, glass was what a phenomenal so, uh, case of i didn't see that coming yeah so like the original idea for blumhouse productions was i think his name's jason blum yep um he wanted to make a house. He wanted to make a house. <laughs> and he's like, I need money. I'm just going to make films. <laughs> um, I live in a box right now. Let's yep. do horror movies. <laughs> yeah, no. So his whole idea was he wanted to make micro budget films and give directors complete free reign on them, mm-hmm. which on paper. So it's kind of the image comics of movies. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Like mm-hmm. on paper, I love that idea. I wish more production companies would put faith in their directors mm-hmm. and be like listen we're not going to give you just millions of dollars but we'll give you something mm-hmm. and we're just going to see what you come up with yeah and that that's a great like place to start but they don't seem to pick very good directors well i mean part of the problem is i imagine that if you can if you're a good enough director that you're going to make a decent movie just 
like on average, if you're at that level, you can command a bigger budget. And so you'll go to one of the studios and get a bigger budget. So this is placed for untried yeah. people to well, I think, test the metal in a real And movie. I think they're partially cursed because of the success of Paranormal Activity. Yeah. Paranormal Activity cost them, I think, $1,500 $1, to make. That's a budget that I could potentially get for one of my films. Fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars. Pretty sure it was fifteen thousand. I think you're off by an order of magnitude. Whatever. I don't do math. <laughs> Shut up, economist. I think I think it's economist. 000. I think it's fifteen thousand. I think I'm not an English major. Um, but uh, you know, they they made they did it for fifteen thousand dollars, and in the box office they made one hundred ninety three point four million dollars. Yeah, that is a that large is, profit margin. That is a humongous <laughs> profit margin. It's a factor of like and ten thousand. Yeah. And like they did the right thing with that. They immediately reinvested it into new films, mm -hmm. which is like yes, they're just embracing more creative filmmakers. Mm -hmm. Except they didn't. They made Paranormal Activity two <laughs> immediately. <laughs> hey, that worked. Let's do it again. Um, it ain't broke. Don't fix it. Like I think the year after Paranormal Activity, they made three movies. One of them was Paranormal Activity 2. The other two were just kind of forgetful. Mm -hmm. A couple years later, they did the first Purge movie, I'm pretty sure. Mm -hmm. Or it might have been The Conjuring. Um, they didn't do Conjuring. They did they Insidious. Didn't do Conjuring? Insidious, that's what it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Conjuring's a big budget. Um, and, I mean, Paranormal Activity, the first one, is not a terrible movie, in my opinion. I watched the first half. Yeah, no, I think, half. like... I, I was sleeping through the second one. Yeah. And I would wake up every time something it's, happened because it would be loud. Yeah, and, no, it's... And just be like, ah! Oh, the cabinets are open. Yeah, it's <laughs> Who a, left the cabinets open? <laughs> it's a unique enough take on found footage films. Mm -hmm. Like, it's definitely not nothing new. Yeah. yeah. Um, definitely. Or it's not anything new. Yeah. It's definitely that. not nothing new. Yeah. <laughs> Fix my blunder in post, Matt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Never. Um, but, uh, no, it's because, I mean, like, Cloverfield's just another clever found footage film. Yep. Um, Very shaky. Uh, I'm fucking Blair Witch. Yeah. We're all copying I, Blair yeah. Witch. It's pretty much just a, what if we did Blair Witch, but it was home security cameras. Right. Um, but, I mean, that's a movie I would give $15,000 to. Yeah. yeah. Not that's anything worth a more. Shot. If you've got, if yeah. you've got the money. You just, yeah. I'm like, like that's, that's not, not a terrible idea. It's yeah. not original, but yeah. Um, and so, like after I that, mean, they Marvel just... has been making a fucking billion dollar movie a year on not really original. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's all kind of on a formula. Yeah, yep. no. it works. Don't fuck. <laughs> yep, but um, you know, so like the they're kind of cursed by that success because they're like, <laughs> they're we're really good at making kind of not original movies, <laughs> right? Yeah. Which yeah. is, but then like later on, they you know they ended up attracting. Get out, Get out, Whiplash, yeah. Hush is a – it's, again, not a very original premise, but right. it's done really fucking well. Yeah. I just watched um, that this week. Um, I'm going to interject a couple of thoughts on that one. Yeah, yeah go ahead. for it. So basically the premise, for those that don't know, it's sort of the classic home invasion. Um, there's a woman. She lives in the woods. She's deaf-mute, which is an interesting twist on it. Mm -hmm. um, and Stranger in a Mask shows up and tries to break in and kill her. Very simple plot. Very few characters. Uh, it felt to me almost like someone was like, man, how hard would it be to make just a classic home invasion movie in, I guess it was like 2016. Yeah. It was pretty recently. Yeah. Like how hard would it be to pull that off? Cause you got to deal with all of yeah. these other factors that you wouldn't have mm -hmm. to deal with. And there's years a, ago. like the first, like the whole setup of the movie yeah. is taking away all modern it's technology. Beautiful. I love it's the like, way okay, it's just we have like... to put her in a house that's really far out. Why is she in a heart house really far away from mm -hmm. everything? 
Why does she not have her phone with her? Yep. All these all these things. Yeah. Why can't she just go to a neighbor? Yeah. It takes care of it takes away all of that stuff. Just you remember right Don't away. Breathe? I didn't see it. Did you see it? No. Is that a Blumhouse? No. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't know. I'm just man, I'm just thinking of all like the other movies that are about quiet, like be yeah. quiet or something. Well no, by. so the great thing about Hush is the director's wife is deaf mute. Okay. And he actually, oh. when he was writing the script, he would test all of the things that the killer does on her. Interesting. Oh my god! Yeah, no. So like, he would be like, <laughs> "That would is this... terrifying." Yeah, no. So I would totally divorce him. I, mean, I think he got like her consent. Like, hey, I'm writing the script about okay. this thing. Is it okay if like you know maybe hey, not try maybe not you? all the time, but can I try and scare you in ways that you know a killer might? Mm-hmm. Um. And so yeah, no, he like he would do that to her, mm-hmm. and he that way he could like keep it somewhat I'm grounded. With that. That's. <laughs> I mean, hey, if, if, listen, like, if but she's that that's that, yeah. that's an instance where like they had a director who had a vision mm-hmm. that a normal studio probably wouldn't have wanted him to go with, mm-hmm. yeah. and Blumhouse trusted him enough to do it. And then you have all the other directors. So, <laughs> starting in 2014, Blumhouse went from making like five movies a year which is usual for a pretty small production company, mm-hmm. to making 13 movies. Hmm. Making, so, hang on. In 2014, they made 14 films in 2015. Um, one of them was a movie called Area 51, which made seven grand. Oh, and remember. it was a budget of, like, a couple million. <laughs> mm-hmm. Ooh. It was a huge fucking loss. Yeah. Ugh. Um. I remember when that one came out, but I had no interest in seeing it. No, nobody did. Nobody <laughs> apparently. No, they made if seven grand on a looking, national release. If we're That's looking at about hilarious. twenty dollars a ticket, about three hundred and fifty people decided to watch that. I think one theater probably decided to watch it. That's um, three hundred. Think about that. Three hundred and fifty people. Yeah. And how big is the population of the United States? Like two billion or something like that. Well, three hundred fifty million. That's not quite. That's really global. That's like global gross. They made seven grand globally. Also, more like ten dollars a ticket. Yeah, but I, okay, fine. No, like this movie went everywhere. Like you're almost guaranteed to make money if you put a movie in the Middle East or China. Yeah, like they just they'll watch anything American. <laughs> yeah, but this movie couldn't even do that. Transformers. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then they make things that will make money in China. You no, know, they made eleven movies in 2016. None of them were no, of note except for Hush. Mm-hmm. Like Hush was, I think, the only profitable one that year. But did it offset everything else? So, so that's the thing. That's their that's their whole strategy now. Mm-hmm. Is just we'll make a ton of random movies with nobody directors. Maybe they'll work out. Maybe mm-hmm. they'll be a hit like Paranormal Activity. Mm-hmm. And then as long as we get one solid movie. We'll make all our money back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's working for them really well. Yeah. Yeah. And then just that success, now they're getting Jordan Peele seems to be pretty solid in their roster. Yeah. yeah. Um, M. Night Shyamalan is pretty solid in their roster. Yeah. He's made three movies for him. Oh, I know that part, yeah. but I mean he makes money. He's got yeah. a he's got a much smaller bat or much worse batting average he, than Jordan okay. Peele. <laughs> in terms of like critical success. But in terms of, like, does this movie make money? That's a good point. Right. He makes them their money back. Yeah. Remember the thing about movies being a balance between art and business? Yeah. He satisfies the business part yeah. of that. Yeah, he does. For sure. Blumhouse is absolutely, they've recognized that balance. And they're like, listen, as long as we get one movie that sells well, we can let 14 directors just make their dream. Yeah. And that's fucking great. 
but they're all terrible movies, and I don't understand that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, and I mean, actually, this kind of goes into the George Lucas book I'm reading. Mm-hmm. Um, Star Wars, those were great, successful movies, but mostly because of studio intervention. Mm-hmm. Fox went in and told George Lucas no a ton on A New Hope, a ton in Empire, yeah, a mm-hmm. ton in Return of the Jedi. I mean, progressively less and less. Right. And also, he had a lot of his crew, like his core crew, tell him, "No, that's a stupid idea. We need to do something else." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those were all, and those are some of the best movies ever. Yeah. And then the prequels, everyone was sick of it. They were just like, "I just let George do whatever he wanted," and they're all just messes. Yeah. They're very like, sandy. Mm. I don't like sand. It's coarse. It's coarse. Yeah. It gets everywhere. Not like here. Here, everything is soft. And smooth. So love has blinded you. Different. I'm going to that. I'm going to literally my least favorite scene in any movie ever, which is... Have you heard this? No. Me? Okay. The fucking... In episode three, the scene where Anakin is, like, leaning against the wall watching Padme brush her hair. As every loving relationship And he's just like... uh, I think they start talking politics or something. But just... It's... that, That scene... Is the epitome of how George Lucas has no idea how love works. Oh, absolutely. Just yeah. the conversation between the two of them is yeah. so insanely like. Usually there'll be like one line, and you're like, "Ooh, that was a cringeworthy line," but it's like, "Ooh, ooh, mm-hmm. ooh, mm-hmm. ooh." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's just that scene is burned in my mind as the worst scene I've ever seen in a movie, and it's it's a passable movie. We've kind of over the course of our podcast gone mm-hmm. from this is a terrible trilogy to. It's not the worst. Yeah. It's it's watchable. Yeah. We've yeah. like slowly convinced ourselves that it's I, not that bad. I, but that scene, I I, re- I maintain to this day, is yeah. the worst like scene I've ever seen in my life. It's <laughs> I don't know. I I my, can't stand it. My least favorite. I mean, that's a terrible scene. Don't <laughs> my least favorite scene in the prequels is the elevator in Episode Two. Yeah, <laughs> where they're just like, oh, remember how good friends we are? Yes, we good friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Come yeah. on, for fuck's sake, just show up. Like, the, my biggest problem with the prequels is that it's just a bunch of conversations in hallways. Yeah. yeah. Like, he, they could – it's all shot on green screen, too. They literally could have had these conversations take place anywhere. But George Lucas's creative decision was let's have them in a fucking hallway. Yep. With windows that we can hardly see out of. Yep. So, like, it could be a hallway on a spaceship, and you're seeing this big, beautiful galaxy. But No. It's a boring beige hallway. What the fuck? (laughs) This is why studio intervention is fucking good. This is why Blumhouse's movies are fucking terrible. Fucking tying it in. And this is something that I have noticed so much working with student directors. (laughs) I mean, I'm a student director. And this is a thing that, like, I really want to find someone that pushes pushes me back on this Mm -hmm. is honing in the vision. Mm-hmm. Blumhouse doesn't hone in people's visions and it just gets repetitive or right. it just goes nowhere. It's boring. Mm-hmm. Not good films are made that way. But, you know, if the studio had pushed back on George Lucas, be like, listen, I get that this exposition is important to you, but this is a really boring way to do it. Nobody's going to give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, too much, you, can, you almost get tunnel visioned when you have complete control. Yeah. You're like, this is my vision. I'm going to tell it the way that I want to. Mm-hmm. And you're not thinking about the audience at all. Mm-hmm. You're not thinking, you know, I want this to be a good experience. I want people to enjoy this movie. I want people to connect to my characters. You forget about all that. Yeah. 
And it's very apparent in a movie that we all just watched. Glass. Yeah. Yep. Like, that whole movie, like, you can tell it's his vision. Yeah. And, like, on the surface level, if you look at it objectively, it's not a terrible story. Yeah. It's just a big waste of time. Yeah. Like. So, I just, I I looked this up because I just thought about this. You mentioned this, you you were talking about this to me earlier, uh, the other day, when, Mm -hmm. and you were asking kind of if there's a word for shotgunning things, hoping one of them sticks. Um, DC announcing movies. Uh, (laughs) And, okay, so I didn't think, I didn't, couldn't think of a word that has it, but I did think of a, of a example. Okay. The infinite monkey theorem. Okay. Walk me through. Where the -hmm. theory is you put an infinite number of monkeys with an infinite number of monkeys with a typewriter. With typewriters. Yeah. They recreate And one of them will make Shakespeare. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. Where you just go, fucking, all of you monkeys that have some crews that can make movies, just go make movies. Yeah. One of them's going to write Shakespeare, and I'm going to mm-hmm. end up with Get Out and make a yeah. fuck ton of that's, money. That's yeah. essentially that is, what Blumhouse yeah. does. It's, it's literally called strategy. the Infinite Monkey Theorem. Infinite Monkey? <laughs> I was, okay. I was yeah. looking through the history trying to find if there's like a fancy name for it or yeah. something, but it's just the Infinite Monkey Theorem. Yep. And there's not even a name attached to it. Dude, some honestly, person was like, this is such a stupid theory. I don't even want to put my name on it. Infinite Monkeys! <laughs> Infinite Monkey would be a way better production company name than, than Blumhouse. Blumhouse. It would be <laughs> very accurate. Honestly, yeah. if I didn't already have a production company name, I would probably take Infinite Monkey. Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's a good great. name. That's a good name. Yeah. No, uh, Copyright, just for the record. <laughs> you said that like really close to the line. Copyright. If one of you fuckers steals that, I'm going to murder you. really loud. <laughs> Uh, okay so anyway so, back to glass yeah yeah no glass like um i mean okay what did you guys think of the movie let's talk about i that. the way i keep telling people is it's the movie where you see coming which uh Shyamalan tells you you don't see coming so, it's a constant build-up of like oh what's gonna happen what's gonna happen this thing happened and we're like i fucking saw that coming from minute one so let's play a game real quick okay. you guys be m night Shyamalan. okay and describe his okay i'll be his, i'll be the writer Okay, yeah, yeah. You be the writer. You be the director. <laughs> I will be what the studio execs should have fucking done to make this movie better. Okay, look. Okay, okay. okay. So I've got this idea, all right? All right, all right director? Okay. okay. So I've got this idea that we are going to – so we have these other two movies. We have mm-hmm. this one movie where uh, everybody died pretty much. Mm-hmm. Like all the time, people are always dying. We have this other movie where there's this guy who's got a tragic backstory, and they're in the same universe. Mm-hmm. Got this idea that we put them together. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Do it. Okay. Slow pan. Zoom. I'm waiting for you to... Hey, can you guys do this with a little bit of cohesion? Like, (laughs) (laughs) maybe maybe we don't just, you know, spend the first 15 minutes talking or dealing with characters that aren't the fucking title character. Yeah. This is supposed to be Glass's story, according to you. Why are we focused so much on these other two characters that we've already spent two separate movies building up? Because they're the ones that made the money. Okay, director. So okay. what we're going to do is we're going to make the two of them fight, but not really know why they're fighting because apparently one of them is, like, bad. I don't – I'm losing it. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever have it to begin with? I had – if you had given me time to think about yeah. this, I totally could have come up with, like, a really yeah. good spiel about this. No, but his – he does have sort of a coherent vision where this is sort of his medium point between a comic book universe and a real world universe. Yeah. And this is – Glass is just him sort of explaining the rules of the universe. See – yeah, that's that's why, like, when we walked up, I'm like, it's a good essay paper. Yeah. Almost. On, like, the idea of 
the dynamics that take place in other superhero movies. Yeah. I think where was... there's always an opposite, mm-hmm. like, protagonist to the hero. I think it was you that said this is a sequel movie that you didn't know you didn't want. Or was that you? It literally happened last night. No, I didn't say that. Someone said that. Oh, maybe it was Carter. Oh, uh, that like might have been. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he did. He did say it. it's the, it's the, it's a sequel to two movies. It's a sequel that you didn't know that you didn't want. Uh, and like the I I very much agree with that because I the, the reason I'm bringing this up is because yeah. you mentioned the comic book universe. Mm-hmm. The first one is very much revolved around how comic books are influenced by this thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then there's Split. Glass, I think, was some way to shoehorn Split into that comic oh, book yeah. theory. As soon like, as it they... was just the whole movie was like, look, Glass is in the same boat as this other thing. As soon mm-hmm. as or, uh, um, Glass says to fucking Kevin, like the Horde, yeah. um, oh, there's like Animal Man characters in comic books. I'm like, that's I rolled my eyes so hard. Yeah, yeah. I was like, that's such like a late addition to this character's backstory because he doesn't feel like that at all yeah like you don't really make the connection and split that he is supposed to be animal like until they show you the zoo right and they're like oh it's based on all the animals he took care of at the zoo yeah that's like what what about climbing walls is anything like like there's a a lot of animals that climb walls but the way he does it he doesn't climb a wall like a monkey he climbs it like a lizard almost I don't know. Yeah. But they don't really... Lizards are fucking beasts, though. But they base him... with their wings and their fire breath. But they base... Like, if you were to put him in, like, a, an animal paradigm, he'd be a gorilla. He'd be, a, like, a uh, boa constrictor. Mm-hmm. But he would... Like, none of his other characters... He doesn't do, like, little tongue thing or, like, have yeah. creepy eyes. Um, <laughs> Like the vertical closing eyes. Yeah. Be, like That would have been a really cool, like, if... See, I really wish what Glass had done is it, it stuck to and enhanced each film's individual concepts. Yeah, like it does. The comic book with Unbreakable, and then the fact that DID can actually physiologically change you. And if they did something with him where he actually physiologically changed in a new way, like for example, if they attached to the fact that he's this animal, mm-hmm. he literally gets the like the uh, reptilian eyes. Yeah. Where like his eyeballs actually change, or even and in... it just attaches to that and doesn't go like, yeah, comic books are based on you too because Unbreakable was the one that did really well. Yeah, no, like Glass felt like they were just rewriting Split to yeah. fit the Unbreakable. Yeah, and that's what I, yeah, that's like exactly they what I was and honestly, it, the most of the movies just restating things that we learned in unbreakable yeah, kind of and yeah. it's just it's it, a, it lacked studio pushback they were like we why do we need this movie yeah you should studio, always you should always ask someone why does this movie need to exist it needed a studio to go pick one of these premises yeah you have five premises that premises premise premises mm-hmm. you have five premises that are all very interesting but fuck each other in the ass yeah. And just choose one and stick to yeah. it, and it'll be a good movie. But yeah. you just, like, it was like, also, hey, I'm starting to doubt if I'm really this powerful. Yeah. Two minutes later. Nah, I can knock down the store. I'm fine. Also, like, I don't think M. Night Shyamalan knows how masterminds work. Like, he, like a lot of a lot of Glass. Like, mm-hmm. I love the idea of the character of Mr. Glass. Yeah. Like, it's, it's really cool. Like, yeah. just the idea nothing that's actually mentioned like if someone if you read the wikipedia you'd be like that'd be a cool character yeah yeah but actually watching him interact in the movies he doesn't do anything yeah like literally nothing 
it's everything is just oh i i told you i did this <laughs> yeah like i so yes i agree with your point that you mentioned earlier that um you wish glass had been like more of the focus from the start but i love how you s- sort of get the sense that this is his movie even before he starts talking before he does anything you kind of just feel his mm-hmm. presence as this ominous overpowering thing and part of that's the mythology of what we know about him from unbreakable and part of it's just kind of the way it's shot and then as soon as he starts talking and actually playing the character he loses that effect Mm -hmm. it would have been interesting if like glass died at the very beginning of the movie Mm -hmm. but you still see like he had this other master plan that is affecting um bruce willis and yeah james mcavoy yeah Ignore me. I just had a really interesting idea for a story for like a. I don't know if it, what medium it would fit in, but oh, I need to, I need yeah. to write it go down ahead, before go I ahead go. Write, okay. go ahead and write. So just um, keep going. <laughs> no, like it would have been really interesting if it was more about his impact as a mastermind, which yeah. is kind of how the movie wanted you to think, right? Like especially with the way that it ends. Yeah. But um, no, like it. I felt like he didn't really affect the characters at all. Like right. you, when you meet um Bruce Willis again years later he doesn't almost he almost doesn't seem affected by having interacted with mr glass at yeah. any point it's just like oh he he helped me figure out that i'm a superhero cool. right um and then the beast has no connection to glass at all yeah but it would have been really interesting if it's like mr glass was working on this big thing to try and force like to go back to his original plan to kind of force the beast to hunt out um done mm-hmm. that would have been really cool yeah. But it doesn't really end up that way. It no. kind of just ends up like, hey, we're going to go fight on top of a building. Yeah. Then we don't. <laughs> yeah, that was – I was really Spoilers. looking forward to that. Like, Yeah, no, I was like, ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, that sounds like a good third act. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could be fun. Has to, like, gives the hero, like, problems. Like, he needs to protect people, but he also needs mm-hmm. to – Also, he can't hang on to walls. He can't hang so... on to walls. No, but, like, if he wants to truly defeat both villains – he needs to protect people, and he also needs to make sure that nobody else finds out about it. Mm-hmm. That would have been a really interesting scenario where it's like, I have to go into this giant fucking building. Honestly, I was like, are we about to see some diehard shit? Because it was going <sighs> to be a skyscraper. Oh, yes, oh, please. Would, the, oh. That would have been awesome. I was <laughs> yeah. ex- I was expecting this big diehard little third act uh-huh. that would have been amazing. We didn't get that at all. Yeah. For those who, like... Before we continue, did you have anything else with the Blumhouse spiel, or are we just going to go with Glass for the rest of the episode? Um, I've got a little bit more. Okay, let's do yeah. that, because we are at an hour. Okay. okay. Can I say something real quick about Glass? Yeah. So, the whole thing, it kind of felt like it was a meta-commentary on superheroes, but it felt like a meta-commentary without an actual point. Like a meta-commentary that forgot to commentate. It's just like, here are genre trappings. We're going to present them, we're going to talk about them in kind of a meta-fashion. Mm-hmm. But we don't have any reason for doing so. Yeah. Like, I, I, it didn't seem to offer any point about comic book or superhero universes, especially not anything that hadn't been explored in the previous two movies. And so when it does stuff like undercuts its big third act fight scene, you don't understand why it's a subversion. It's just unsatisfying. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good um, point. I mean, my last thing with the Blumhouse <clears throat> thing is, like... On paper, I agree with their strategy. You mm-hmm. should trust your directors to yeah. have a lot of power. But they also, they're kind of just like letting their hands go of the wheel completely. Mm-hmm. And it's it's interesting because like a lot of the times the movies that they make are terrible. Mm-hmm. But they're also 
they had Get Out. Mm-hmm. They have Black Klansman this year up for mm-hmm. Best Picture. Right. Um, I imagine just from what I've seen of Us, that might be another Best Picture contender. Yeah. The fact that they are able to make with the same strategy absolute dog shit movies i'm sorry if anyone's listening that really likes some of their you know if you really liked area 51 cool <laughs> um but then also the one but then also you happen to be the person that has times. seen the movie yeah <laughs> but then also like they could potentially have three years in a row best picture like that's just mind-blowing to me yeah and it's something that I really want to get into and, like, study more. Mm-hmm. Like, I would love to just interview Jason Blum and be like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I want to, I wanna like, email him and just be like, look, I'm really into data analytics. Can I just, like, work with you guys for 10 years? And, like, we do kind of a control thing where for each movie, you you do, like, okay, so this movie, you have, in fact, one piece of input you can give to the director like uh, one thing of well, studio so where that's, like that's something i want to know is i want to know exactly how much input he has now well yeah and because it started off he was like i'm not gonna mess with the directors at all right? yeah i'm curious if over the years he's gotten a little more involved yeah and that's and that's what i was thinking that like there's got to be some sort of like arc of, of um like how much the studio gets involved in how much they trust their director. Like you, you get a little input just because you're a studio and you know what sells. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it increases, but the point where you start like strangling or like uh, suffocating them is when it starts going back down. So you gotta, I want to do like analytics on what that level is and also how much money you put in and how much you like find out what that, what that perfect combination is that you can maximize. Whew, man, I'm an industrial and sensitive engineer, aren't I? Uh, yep. <laughs> you maximize what you get back based on how much you affect the movie as a as a production yeah, company. That's an interesting problem because that's also interesting to me since I'm like vaguely showing interest in being a producer. I want to know how much do I put a put a director in a in a full Nelson? Mm-hmm. Like, do I tell you you can't do this, or is that one of those thresholds where it's going to start negatively affecting the movie? Right. Yeah, and I mean, from actual directors and producers I've worked with, um, a lot of the times when I see a producer, like like on, on professional movies, I'm not going to talk about student films right now. Mm-hmm. On the professional movies, every producer I've met I've hated. Um, and a lot of the times it's because, like, the decisions they make are fucking stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be like... Like, so I, I've worked a lot as a PA on professional shoots, and mm-hmm. that's pretty much I'm just the producer's bitch. Mm-hmm. I just yeah. run errands all day. Um, and so, like, I'll hear them complaining about, oh, we have no money. We have no money to make this movie. I don't even know how we're going to fund the next week of production. But then they're also like, I need you to buy me four cases of LaCroix with no money. Find it somewhere. Go harass the yeah. art department and get some of their petty cash <laughs> because I fucking need my sparkling water. <laughs> It's like so much of what they do on set disrupts the actual creation process, Mm -hmm. which is why a producer should never be on set. Okay. Just like general rule. Kind of what I think of producer is like once you get it going, once once filming starts, that's up to the director how that goes. Like obviously like if you go – if the director comes to the producer and goes, look, the entire art department is completely shit and they're ruining our set. We are – two weeks behind on filming because the art department has not delivered. That's when the producer goes, all right, they're fired. I'll find you a new art department. Well, see, even a producer wouldn't do that. That'd be the production coordinator. 
Which, he, I mean, they work for the producers. Yeah, but, yeah. but like... Producers should be focused on selling the movie. Yeah. Yep. And, like, is this viable to sell? But I kind of I kind of view the producer as, like, really the overarching boss that trusts his... Yeah. I mean... Uh, yeah. Producers should be focused on selling the movie and making sure that it gets made. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like... Uh, and that's a, why I was, like, the art department. Like, like a good reason to, to have a producer on set is for when you're shooting on location and you need someone that can throw money at a problem. Mm-hmm. Like, um, a lot of the times in L.A., they'll just have... If someone sees a film production going on, people just pull a lawnmower or a leaf blower out of the backseat of their car and turn it on and get 20 bucks for turning it off. Because they know I'm going to cost these people thousands of dollars a minute every time this is running. Mm-hmm. They'll give me a hundred bucks if I turn it off. Yeah, it's and like people are assholes. No, but I mean it's in Oklahoma, that god damn it, Matt. <laughs> in Oklahoma, that doesn't happen, which is why a lot of people like filming here, especially okay. from LA. That's kind of why everyone's moving out of LA because mm-hmm. everyone's so fucking jaded to that. <laughs> um, but like there was an issue on um on the first Lifetime movie I was on. Where this dude was parked, he parked his big fucking ugly truck in the middle of our shop, but we were shooting on a public street. Uh, and so the first AD, who's kind of like the manager of the set, mm-hmm. um, he turned to the producer, he's like, Switzer, fucking go give that guy a hundred bucks. But this guy was such an inexperienced producer, he was like, why would I do that? Why would I do that? I don't want to give him a hundred bucks. It's yeah. my hundred bucks. He's a greedy motherfucker. I hate uh, that guy. Um sure i talked about him on the last time actually possibly um, i feel like Switzer's i think i up. i think i purposely didn't say his name last time and now i am but oh well i don't care yeah. you can i don't want to work with no him one again listens anyways. To this anyway yeah um all talking into the void but on the flip side so like he was a shitty... waiting for that to come back and bite me in the ass like i say something that's like should not have been said and then i'm just yeah. like like I, I shit on somebody it's like nah, nobody listens to this anyway and then like Rob Liefeld fucking outs me in public, be like, this motherfucker. Hey, actually, bad publicity is still free publicity. Yeah, yeah no. Um, <laughs> but then, so, like, that guy was a shitty producer because he wouldn't throw money at a problem. My fucking professor, Gray Fredrickson, that's what he told us to do. If you're a producer, just throw money at a problem. He should have absolutely gone to that guy and been like, here's 100 bucks," Because we lost two hours that day because we waited for that guy to move his truck. Mm-hmm. We were paying an entire crew. For that time. Yep. We ended up having to reschedule that shot for the next day. That is absurd. Yeah. Like, it's fucking crazy. I feel like the smartest producers don't throw money, but they're smarter about it. And they're like, hey, we'll give you an extra, like a non-speaking extra extra You need to make the decision in the moment, can I talk my way out of this, or can I just throw money at it? Charisma. Persuasion roll. Yeah, pretty much. You have to. Yep. Roll Persuasion, three. All yeah. right, take some money. <laughs> and like uh, a couple weeks ago for a student film I was working on, we had to break into a parking garage that apparently just became like privately owned or some shit. Okay. And uh, the fucking director was bitching about like, well, this is why we should have a producer on the set. So if, we had, if we had a guy in our arsenal that could have sweet-talked the parking attendant to just let us come up for 15 minutes, we could have avoided this whole thing. Mm-hmm. But no, instead we ran away from the cops. <laughs> Which, as my job, I was the second AC that day, so I was just carrying all of the gear <laughs> for the rest of the crew. Oh man, I wish we had a producer. Were you unencumbered that day? I was or were you ex- over over encumbered. I was extremely. I was carrying probably like 150 pounds. You're over encumbered. You cannot arm. run. I had a tripod. Skyrim joke. I had this giant fucking tripod under my armpit and these two really heavy cine bags in my arms, just full of lenses in one and then just like shoulder rigs and like all this other garbage that we didn't even use. (laughs) (sighs) 
<laughs> all right. Um, I had to run with all that. <laughs> so that was a really interesting, uh, just kind of like just learning about what how Blumhouse handles it. I think I'm going to do an uh, Image Comics episode next week. Okay. Kind of follow yeah. that trend of like is it how a production company – because essentially yeah. – so what Image Comics did, they started with like a series of uh, like uh, Rob Liefeld. Um, Todd McFarlane. Uh, Todd McFarlane, I believe – no, Edward Baker wasn't uh, – um, um, Garth Enos, I believe, was part of it. Yeah, I think so. Um, and my favorite name of all time, Quils Portatio. That's a good name. <laughs> the goddamn good name. So th- these – these like I think six comic writers were really tired of Marvel fucking them. So Marvel would do this thing where like you create a character, it belongs to Marvel. Yeah. And mm-hmm. there's a lot of stuff like that that kind of came up. Um, uh, Howard the Duck was one big issue. Uh, mm-hmm. I can tell you about the Howard the Duck switcheroo. Uh, yeah, you already around. told me. Oh yeah. yeah. So that whole thing, people on this podcast have heard it. Cause... Well, yep. So I've already identified why Image Comics is way better than Blumhouse. Because well, is it that they allow them to own their IP still? So yes. Yeah, so any. So basically, what Image Comics were created around was, and this is my basic knowledge. I will do more research on it and like actually learn more yeah, of the history yeah, of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is creator-owned material. Yeah. So everything anybody does is their own thing. So there's almost this new Image level is of purely like purely a publisher. Not, yeah, exactly. Exactly. You're not even pu- a distributor. They're, they're a publisher. Publi- they well, publish. Yeah. Publishers tend to own the IP in some capacity, though. It sounds like they're a publisher by name, but really they're just providing distribution. Yeah. Which, um, like, that allows the creator to then have a little more personal investment. In exactly, and name. that's exactly, exactly what I was going to say. Like, when yeah. you're working with Marvel and you're and Marvel's like, hey, we need this new cre- – I don't know how writing – I'll research that a little bit more, like mm-hmm. how that writing process works. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Marvel's like, hey, we need this new villain for Iron Man. And the person's just like, fuck, all right. Just uh, make another Iron Man and he's evil. Yeah, it's just like <laughs> yeah. this Iron Man is – in a black suit, and his his little light is on his hip. Yeah, well, uh, yeah. it's a, it's his pedometer. He's <laughs> got a really big glowing pedometer on his hip. Um, this but like, is wearable technology, man. He's got a Fitbit, an Apple Watch on the other hand, Google, Google Glass. Glass. He's got a Bluetooth in his ear. He's got he's got two Bluetooths. He's got two new Bluetooth. He's got a one He's got a pager on his belt still. One Bluetooth, one AirPod. <laughs> Uh, so like when you create something for he can't hear anything (laughs) when you're making something for a company you're like all right whatever i'll just do this but like when you get someone like ed brubaker who is just like look i've got this idea for this guy who tries to commit suicide a demon makes him live and then like uh he's got to kill somebody every month as rent Mm -hmm. but is it real we don't know and then image just goes yeah, fucking go for it. You get Kill or Be Killed. Which is, which is amazing. Fucking the best comic book run of ever. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> Watchmen takes offense at that. I think Kill or Be Killed is better than Watchmen. Okay, you're allowed to think that. You're also allowed to be wrong. <laughs> um, But you get something like that. You get something like Saga. You get something like East of West. You get these, these series that are just phenomenal and have really interesting... Because uh, they're invested ideas. in it. Mm-hmm. They're invested in it, and they're also not bound by extended yeah. world stuff. Like, mm-hmm. you can't – in East of West, you can have pestilence murder an entire civilization. Mm-hmm. But there's not some other Superman comic that, like, he happens to be in that world at the same time in his own story yeah. that you have to make sure you tie in with that. Because that shit can get convoluted when you have with the New 52, 52 running titles at the same time. You've got to make sure every single one of those titles – 
can run coherent or con- concurrently mm-hmm. and make sure yep. nothing violates each other. But when you've just got east of west and it's just like it's the four horsemen and like pestilence decides yeah. he wants to fucking create a plague that wipes out an entire continent you can fucking do that because there's no one else who's referencing it besides east of west yeah mm-hmm. and it's amazing because they can just do what they want yep and that's i mean it's great when you have like people that i mean the great thing about them is they've worked in the normal system long enough yeah to mm-hmm. know what audiences want. exactly yeah which you is have the these... big difference between like we were talking about christopher nolan earlier mm-hmm. he's about to make a movie and it seems like warner brothers is giving him the full leash they haven't let him do that before. Which makes no Inter- sense to me. Interstellar, <laughs> I'm pretty sure the deal was, yeah, you can have Final Cut, which mean Final Cut means um, the director gets to decide what is actually released. Right. But there was probably an inclusion, you have to include all this Matt Damon bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> which made the movie way longer than it needed to yeah. be. Yep. So it's like, you know, every good director at some point has had to take a step across. Yeah. Fucking Edgar Wright wanted to make Ant-Man... A fucking Marvel amazing. Stepped in. Marvel stepped chased in, away. chased him away. Yep. Yep. And then he made Baby Driver, which is I mean, <laughs> which is so much I'll, better. I'll trade Baby Driver for his oh, Ant Man. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen his yes, Ant Man though. That being said, like he because it was he wasn't basically, there talks briefly recently of him coming back for the third Ant Man. I feel like I heard something vaguely recently that I don't. Was like, I think I don't Edgar Wright has completely decided to never make a movie for Marvel. Yeah, I, I would totally. He's, yeah. he's not going to want to, and I I wouldn't think they'd want to step on Peyton Reed's shoes since he's been doing That's a true, more yeah. competent job. Yeah, no, you don't. You don't just decide to <laughs> fuck over the guy that came in clutch for you. DC yeah. could or DC Disney can do what the fuck they want, <laughs> except for hire back uh, James Gunn. <laughs> yeah. Let's yeah. not get into that. <laughs> um, we've been over that enough. Shall we? All right. I think we've made Any... all the points. So, Any final points? No. All right. All right. We shall. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to our, our threesome. Um, Ooh, as we talked about uh, Blumhouse. Uh, someone just started touching my thigh. Oh, God. You guys are really far away. Who's touching me? Oh, it's me. Paranormal Activity 6. What are we Cabinets on open. <laughs> uh, yeah, thanks for listening to us talk about Blumhouse and other Glass stuff and, and other things. how movies work, kind of. It was it yeah. was kind of a rambly one, but a lot of interesting rambly yeah. directions. Yeah. yeah. So. It, was a, it was a very conversation-y one, which is exactly what a podcast should be. Yes. Fuck you. No, it should be like just... Listing things like our worst episodes are exactly we literally our worst episodes. I, I, listing shit. I promise to all the listeners at home. Next time, I'll come in with a very bland, straightforward bullet point, <laughs> and I'll be like, "This is Blumhouse Productions. They made this movie in 2007. It was okay." <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, as you heard, we're talking about Image Comics next week. So if you've got Image Comics that you want us to read. Uh, probably better hurry up and tell us about that because even with like two day shipping you've got we've, seven days you've the got, clock is ticking yeah uh so you don't have a ton of time to tell us about it but um if you've got thoughts about image comics generally also very overused in glass and it oh, fucking yeah. drove me nuts <laughs> it, yeah now that dunkirk did that and did it well everyone's gonna do that yeah but like dunkirk did it because it was all time sensitive yep but nothing was time sensitive in glass why do it it doesn't just give you anxiety if you hear it. It gives you anxiety because, if you're like, hey, we've got this thing happening in 10 minutes. Because, like, you know, you expect it to be time-based. And then there's the Shyamalan twist. It wasn't. 
I have a better explanation because there's no narrative tension, and so they had to try to add tension by every other means possible. I think the Shyamalan twist was, this is going to be a good movie. <laughs> Fucking nope. <laughs> anyway, uh, Matt, sorry. Anyway. I feel like every Shyamalan movie gets that joke made about it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah, you can find this podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes and Podbean. You can also find us on Facebook. We're just us losers. Uh, we'll usually post stuff there that's the one place we're actually decent about posting things mm-hmm. uh we're terrible at posting things on twitter and instagram but you can follow us at both of those places at justice losers pod we also have a gmail which i plug- plugged at the start of the show justice losers pod at gmail.com where if you want to send us a pdf of your entire image comics run and then you don't have to bother with shipping Dude, that'd be stuff, amazing then yeah we can just read it through that although i kind of hate reading like i also hate reading digital copies so we, i guess if you want to fax us we don't have a fax machine. That's I think you should invest in one that's really hot and up and coming. Here, right. Here's how you do it really quickly. So you don't have to waste waste time on two-day shipping. You fly us to you. <laughs> we read it there. That's true. Most flights are about f- a two hours. So, yeah. 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 That's so way quicker. It's yeah. so much faster if you just, like, fly us out there. It's it's, it's about the same price, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, put a, you put a product on a plane. We are the product. Mm-hmm. Dude, no, better plan. You come see us, then you also get to see Scenic Norman, Oklahoma while we read your comics. Yeah. Maybe you get even no, guests I on think, our podcast. I think the better way to do it is to go to them, just stay at their living room, you know, mm-hmm. record there. Nah, not even record there. Just read there and then come back. Just read their comics and come back. Never actually record. hold a conversation. Oh, yeah, no. Just like right. you walk in the room and be like, where the fuck is it? Don't even talk to me. <laughs> I want- I'm here to <laughs> read the comic. Thanks for the flight. Next time business class, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> I need a guacamole and celery sandwich and two hours of undisturbed silence. Guacamole got- and cer- guacamole and cer- celery sandwich? Yeah. I've got three quick kit. Is that a oh. thing? Definitely. I've got three questions. Where's the kitchen? Where's the bathroom? Where the fuck are the comics? <laughs> Where's your yep. girlfriend? Wait. Anyway, I want to read comics. <laughs> okay, uh, I think I've probably said all the things. So thanks, okay. Andrew, for joining us. Always a pleasure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, um, we're going to have you more on. We'll have to, have to drag uh, you back sometime. Yeah, we're also going to do the Game of Thrones episode we at some point. We should actually get on that. We should really start doing that. Yeah. You guys want to do it? Do a couple episodes today? I don't. I don't think I have much time. Mm. We'll talk about it. We'll talk okay. about it. But yeah, we need to get on that. So yeah. I think the podcast listeners need to hear us plan. <laughs> <laughs> they do kind of often, pretty often. Yeah, usually it's just a spitball on what we'll talk about next no, week. Yeah, so. yeah. Let's so. let's end this ten minute right. ending. All right, official ending. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Rock, paper, scissors for that shit. <laughs>